Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. Take your Bibles out and turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Uh, we are in our series, kind of a, uh, our grow series together. We're learning about uh, what our core values are. And the first one is to know God. And so we said above everything else, you need to know God and have a relationship with him. And this is one of the reasons God has placed his church here so we can know him better and grow and learn together. And then the next week we looked about grow together and how important our, our groups are and our community is and connecting to one another in the family of God and getting to love each other and know each other. And we help each other grow and learn and we disciple one another. And it's just an awesome fellowship that we have here. Today we're going to look at our last couple of core values, and that is to discover your purpose and make a difference. Because when you discover your purpose and you find out why God made you and God created you, then that helps you to learn how to make a difference. And we'll begin to make a greater impact in our world than ever before. Uh, Napoleon, a conquering Europe, a French emperor who took over most of Europe, he, he had his generals around him on one occasion, and he took his finger and he pointed to the map of China. And he said, there lies a sleeping giant, and if it ever wakes up, it will be unstoppable. There lies a sleeping giant, and if it ever wakes up, it will be unstoppable. And I think sometimes that might could be said of the church. There lies a sleeping giant, and if we as his church ever wake up to all that God has for us, to all of his potential of what God has equipped us to do, and we find our place of service and ministry, if the church will awaken, I believe God's church will be unstoppable. Jesus Christ said himself, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And yet so often we are more concerned about guarding our faith or keeping our faith than giving it out. And if we understand that God has called us when he saved us, he called us with a purpose and a mission and he has gifted every single one of us in the body of Christ with some particular function and mission they're called to do. And if, if every one of us, you know, I, I heard this expression, there's gold and then there are pews. And I look around and there's amazing people here with gifts and talents and passions and abilities and energy and creativity and all this stuff that God has blessed you with. And if we begin to use it in God's kingdom, there's no end to what God can't do in the body of Christ, in our church family, as we reach out into the area all around us. So let's stand together. Take your Bibles out. I want us to look at Romans chapter 12 and we'll begin with verse number three today. And uh, look at that together as we study God's word this morning. Welcome all of our guests. If you're here, thanks so much for coming and being with us today. Verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given to you. Just as each one of us has one body with many members. Say one body, many members. That's the theme of what Paul is sharing here in chapter 12. And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts. 
according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Amazing list of gifts, seven gifts right there. And he talks, not only mentions the gifts, but how it's to be implemented in the body of Christ. Then he goes on, verse number nine. And love is the thing that you're gonna find out governs every one of the gifts. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affection, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Let us pray. Father, we love you so much. We thank you, God, for your presence here this morning. I thank you for everybody who's come today. I pray you'll open up the word to our heart today. Help me to preach your word. I need your help every day. And we'll thank you, God, and we'll give you praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to someone, tell them they look awesome today, and you may be seated. God bless you. You know, we, we, we call ourselves Christians, right? We're, we're all Christian. If you know Jesus Christ, you're a Christian. You're a believer. You're a Christian. It literally means to be Christ-like. Little Christ. We're, we're Christians. We are to be like Jesus. And when you study the life of Christ, you get his mission statement in Mark chapter 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. To serve and to give. And so if this describes the life of Christ and we are to be Christ-like, what is our mission as this church? To serve and to give, right? I'm like Jesus. I'm here to do what Jesus did. I'm here to serve and I'm here to, to give. God has specifically designed every single one of us with unique spiritual gifts for building up the kingdom of God. And I will tell you, this life, this world's not our permanent home. Heaven is. But while we're on the earth, we are here to make a difference. We're here to to impact lives. We're here to serve people. We're here to give ourselves away. We're here to leave a legacy behind. So we can't just say, I came to earth, I lived, and I died, and I took up space. We're here for a purpose, and we are here for a reason. And this morning, we want to talk about how you discover that purpose and find your place of ministry and service. And so, as we looked at Romans chapter 12, the first thing I think that jumps out to us is we are all a part of one body. Verses 3 to 5. We are the body of Christ. And the body speaks of need, and the body tells me, I need you, and so we can't say, I don't need you. We're all a part of this body together, and we all serve and minister to one another. Paul uses the phrase body to describe the church 30 different times in the New Testament. It illustrates our total dependence upon each other, and it also shows us how that every single part of the body is important. There are more visible parts of the body, he says in 1 Corinthians 12. There are less visible parts of the body, less out front ministries, and yet every single ministry functions together, flows together, and is needed for a smooth operating body. Now I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is another in chapter 12. He gives another list of gifts of the Holy Spirit. I read seven to you in Romans 12. In 1 Corinthians 12, he has nine gifts of the Spirit. And then he talks about how they are to operate and flow together. And he uses the same analogy of a body. So let me begin with verse number 14. It says, now the body is not made of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not of the hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the ear should say to the eye, I do not belong to the body, I would not for that reason choose to be cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were the ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be, just as he wanted them to be. Verse number 18. So everyone who serves is an important part of the body of Christ. Everyone who serves in faith church is important, even the less visible members than the highly visible. There's, there's no little people in the body of Christ. Everybody is important. Everybody is significant. In fact, I, I would venture to say, I think sometimes it's those behind-the-scenes ministry that are even more important to what we do here. The, the people that are so important at our campus right here are those who stand at the door and they welcome you when you come in and they hold a door for you and they welcome you when you come through the doors and, and they serve in first impressions and they meet all of our brand new guests and they serve at the welcome counters because the reality is you're going to forget most of what I say in a few days. I mean, that, that's really crushing, but it's the reality. You, you will forget most of the songs, but what you will leave a lasting impression is when you came to church, you were loved and you were welcomed and you felt at home. You had that sense that I'm now finally at home at Faith Church. And what makes all that happen is those greeters and those ushers and those people who love on you and reach out to you in the parking lot and reach out to you wherever you're at. Those are all key important components to the body of Christ right here at Faith Church. Because the body, all the members also care for each other. He goes on, look at verse number 26. He says in chapter 12, and if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. One part is honored, every part rejoices with it. The body says, I need you. It says if, 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 if you can't say to the foot, I have no need of thee. If you were missing your foot, you would be disabled. You would be crippled in some way. Your body would not function properly because you would be missing a foot or an arm or an eye or some other part of your body. And so the body says, I need you. And, and, and it goes on to even further to say, if one member's hurting, all the members share in that pain together. And when one member rejoices, all the members rejoice with that part of the body. We all celebrate the victory and celebrate what God has done and so we all rejoice together we need each other i was uh taking our youth group when i was a youth pastor in cincinnati ohio and i was taking them to myrtle beach south carolina so we had about a 10-hour bus ride ahead of us not only was i the youth pastor i was the bus driver and so you did everything in youth ministry back then and so i'm driving this old school bus and we're trying to make our way down to this campground in myrtle beach and we're going to spend a week there and i could not see out of the mirror properly and if you know anything about church vehicles the bus buses get rusted out and the, the mirrors get rusted and all that and so i went out and i tried to 
twist the mirror so I could see better. And I was twisting that mirror, the, the glass shattered. And, and a piece of glass went in my eye. Now, it was in that moment that the hand didn't say, I have no need of thee. What happened? The hand immediately went into action. It went into EMS mode, and I went up there, and I covered my eye, and, and, just, and then, then my brain began to kick in. It didn't say, you dummy, why did you do that? It has said, oh, no, you're hurt. Get help. And then my mouth engaged. And so what happens is my mouth began to scream and begin to yell. And so what happens is every part of my body was functioning and working together to care for the one hurting member of the body. And I'm sure my heart was racing faster and everything else was spinning around me. Not only was that happening in my physical body as an illustration of how we care for each other, it was also happening in the church body because what happens is those teenagers on the bus all begin to pray one of my youth workers said begin to pray right now kids i think they were praying more so i could see again and get them the rest of the way to myrtle beach but they uh they begin to pray and some of the workers got around me and then one of them held my eyes open and the other one took and began to pull that piece of glass out of my eye it just shows how that every single member of the body is so important to each other. And he says in 1 Corinthians 12, when one member hurts, we all share that pain. We all feel that. Now, here's the reality. If you don't know who's in your body, how can you know when they're hurting? How can you know when they're rejoicing? How can we do what Jesus instructed us to do, what Paul told us to do? How can we do that stuff and care for each other unless we are connected to the body of Christ? And then he goes on in the same analogy. He said, oh, do you have different parts of one body? Are, are you one and you care for each other and love each other? It's, it's made up of many different parts. And every part is different in function and in purpose. And so the neat thing today is you are uniquely you created by God. And the passions you have and the talents you have and the giftings that the Holy Spirit has blessed you with are created uniquely for you to fulfill his kingdom purpose together in the body of Christ. Diversity is who God is. It has always been at the heart of God. I, and I love diversity. That's why I love Faith Church so much is because we look around and we got every color in the rainbow sitting in the church here and we got all shades in between and we got all sizes and shapes coming in here. You all look totally different. But, but not only that, but we have all have unique different gifts and abilities God's given us. Not only do we look different, but we are different in our giftings on the inside. But he said, I made you that way for a reason. And then he goes on and he begins to give some of those gifts. Pick it up again in Romans chapter 12 and look, if you would, at verse number six. He describes these gifts here. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. It's one of the gifts of the Spirit. If it is serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let them teach. If it's encouraging, let them encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let them give generously. If it is leadership, let them govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let them do it cheerfully. Now, he describes several gifts there. One of them are speaking gifts. And that would include teaching. It would also include prophesying. And so both of those are speaking kind of gifts. Now, if you have one, if that's your gift, if you have the teaching gift, you ought to be a group leader. 
You're going to hear a lot more about our groups and have seen them when you came into the foyer. There's groups out there. You could lead a group in your neighborhood, in your home, in, in, in a restaurant somewhere, you, with your coworkers, somewhere else. You could be a group leader. If your gift is, is teaching or preaching, you could speak at our nursing home on Sunday mornings or, or our de, 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 juvenile detention center up near Libra. We go there every Thursday night and we share the gospel of Jesus Christ and soon to be Libra Church. We'll be in there shortly. And so you could use your teaching gift, your get prophesying there. It can be used in that arena, speaking and declaring and teaching the word of God. You, you would be an amazing youth worker as you you'd lead some of our youth groups and teach our teenagers or teach our boys and girls. And so these are all places those giftings can be used right here in Faith Church. If your gift is encouraging, he said that's one of the gifts. We looked at Barnabas last week, who his encouraging made such a difference in the early church. You might be a wonderful counselor. You might want to be involved in our Stevens ministry. That's a ministry where we come along beside those who are hurting, those who are going through tough roads and tough situations in life, and we come along beside of them. If you're an encourager, you'd be great at our doors and great in the foyer and great welcoming the new guests who come into Faith Church and, and great in our connection center. You'd be great there ministering to these new people coming in, just sharing the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, an awesome place for that gift to flow and be used. If your gift is serving, you would be great in our go ministry, in our, in our, in our reach out, in, in our food distributions. We have two amazing food banks, and they give, a, they, I think one food bank serves about 1,000 families a month, the other about 2,000 families a month, and so we're giving out food and groceries to the poor and the needy, uh, transporting case, cancer patients who need to go to their chemotherapy and our cancer outreach and ministry. You are literally servants. You're the hands and feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom the Bible said came to serve and to give. Maybe you have the gift of administration or the gift of leadership, and, and there's places for you to use, to use those gifts as an administrator in God's family, in God's church. And, and here's the thing. Nobody has all the gifts. You may think you're pretty special, but you don't have it all. You don't have all the gifts God has gifted every man, and everyone has an important ministry, but I don't have them all. I, I, I want to say that God has created you deficient by design, and me deficient by design. What does that mean? Well, it means if you, God created within you all the gifts, you wouldn't need your other members of the body. You wouldn't need the hands. You wouldn't need the feet. You wouldn't need those different parts of the body who are serving, who are seeing, who are speaking, who are ministering. Why? Because you got them all. Well, God has intentionally designed you with a deficit in your giftings so that we would need each other. And the bottom line is I need you in my life and you need me in your life and we need each other in the body of Christ. And that is how he intentionally designed us so that the gifts were all meant to flow together. So in one body, we are dependent and cooperate with each other to get the kingdom work done. That's amazing the way he set this whole thing up. So, so my question for you today is, how has God shaped you? How has he uniquely designed you? Now, let me tell you, if you want to learn more about your spiritual gifts and where I flow and what ministry I can get plugged in and involved in, I encourage you, if you have not yet taken LifePoint, at some point in that process, you will take a spiritual gift assessment, and they will share with you all the ministries that are going on in Faith Church, and they will try to guide you and help you get plugged in to the very best place suited for you and suited for your gifting. So I would encourage you to go through that. But even each one of you has a God-given gift and passion and dream, and he wants to work that through you in the family of God. 
Now, here's the deal. When you really discover your purpose and your spiritual gift and where God wants to use you, then you are in a place where you can begin to make a difference. And that really leads me to my last point. And I want you to go back to Romans 12, look at verse number nine. And here's kind of the umbrella that wraps it all up together. Love must be sincere. Now, there's no break here. This is one continuous letter. There's no break between verses eight and nine. So he's talking about the gifts. But he says, you know what? You got to do it out of love. Everything we do is based on love. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Uh, oh, excuse me, I skipped a verse. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Now, all the gifts flow out of that one word, love. Now, it starts by me knowing God. And as I come into relationship with the Lord and I experience his love and his grace in my life, then out of that comes that passion and love for others. Because I begin to beat and get that heart of God. And God always beats for souls and he always loves all people. And so when I'm close to him, that fuels my motivation for love and service and work in his kingdom. So I spend time in his presence and it reevaluates my priorities and my perspective. It also affects the way I interact with others family of God. It enables me to set myself aside and say, you know what? You're important. In fact, I esteem you better than myself. And so I look for ways to serve other members of the body of Christ. And that's what real love is all about. Now in verse 10, he quantifies that love. He says, love one another with brotherly love. Everybody say brotherly love. love. I want you to notice something very carefully in this chapter. Paul has just changed the metaphors. He starts out by describing the church as a body. A body says, I need you. I read that in 1 Corinthians. I need you. The eye can't say to the ear, I have no need of you. It says we need each other to function properly. But now he switches from a body analogy to a family analogy because he says, love one another in your family with brotherly love. And so not only is the church a body, it's a family. And if the body says, I need you, the family says, I want you. I love you. Love one another with brotherly love. So I think really it takes it a whole step further when we talk about the family of God. I I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home. And I had a younger brother, also have a younger sister that's 16 years younger than me. So uh, there was quite an age difference there. But I had a brother who was three and a half years younger than I was. And uh, how many know brothers fight all the time? And we fought all the time. In fact, we would be fighting upstairs and uh, falling off the bed and jumping off the bed and landing on each other and doing all this stuff. And my dad would hear all the, the house shaking and he would come running up and he would get so mad he couldn't get his belt off fast enough you know he'd come up like this i'm gonna get you guys he's ripping his belt off and i and i had this strategy if mike's on top of me or if i was on top of mike which i was the older brother and usually was i would roll him over real quick on top of me and he became a human shield and uh and he got the first lickings but uh but you know we fought And we fought in the neighborhood and we fought everywhere. And we were allowed to do that because we were brothers. But if someone else, I'm talking about, picked on my little brother, 
they would hear from me. It wasn't much of a threat, but I, I was a tiny little guy. I was a little older. And so, so, I, so it, 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 we had this kind of unwritten rule. I could punch Mike, but nobody else could. And that's kind of what a family is. We care for each other. We cover for each other. We protect each other. We don't talk about each other. We don't gossip about each other. We love one another with what? Brotherly love because we are all in the same family. That word brother means from the same womb. And so literally in in the language. And so the the love we have for each other in our family, in our natural family, Paul says the same kind of love we're to have for one another in the bigger family, the family of God. God's family that will never end and go on forever. Mm. In fact, I'll take it a step further. We are blood brothers. Yeah, any of you guys ever growing up, and I'm and dating myself a little bit, this goes to, to back to Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, blood brothers. You used to prick your finger, and you got another guy who would prick his finger, and you would take, and you would take that and rub your blood together, and if we don't do that now in the age of sexually, and, uh, well, little kids, don't worry about it, but in the age of diseases, you don't uh, change blood, but then to be real blood brothers, you had to cut yourself. And you had to touch blood on blood, and it meant, I'm going to defend you for life. Nothing will ever come between us. We are going to be brothers for the rest of our life. Listen to me. I have got good news for you. In God's wonderful family, we are blood brothers because the Lord Jesus Christ shed his blood for us. And if I know Jesus Christ and you know Jesus Christ, we are family together through the blood. It says in Ephesians 1, 7, you have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now, I didn't have any blood brothers because I couldn't pass pricking myself and bleeding. And so I, and nobody was my blood brother growing up. And yet in the family of God, we are all blood brothers. And I don't have to prick myself or cut myself in any way, shape, or form because there is one who took the nails in his hands for me and the nails in his feet for me. And all his blood was spilled. So my blood doesn't have to be shed. And it's still one. We're still family. And let me take it even a step further. Just like in your natural family, you didn't choose who your brothers and sisters were going to be. They're just there. They just came. And you're stuck together. Listen to me, because Christ chose you and he chose me, we are stuck together and I have no right or prerogative to say, I don't want that person to be my brother. I don't want that person to be my sister. We are one because Jesus Christ loved us and gave his life for me. And so I can't exclude you out of my family. I can't kick you out of my family. We love each other, support each other. And so he says in Romans 12, love one another with brotherly affection, brotherly love. Deep, deep, deep love in the family of God. Out of that love, then that's what gives me the motivation to serve. And so I serve and I give my life a ransom for many. And, 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 I, and, I, and I understand what God's calling is all about. It is all governed by love. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 again. I want to read a few more verses there. Just like, just like in Romans 12. If you study Paul's letters, he goes from gifts of the body And then he moves into the controlling thing, controlling all the gifts, love. And he says, love must be sincere. And then he says in verse 10, love one another, brother, love. He does the same thing when he writes to the Corinthians. 
And so in chapter 12, he describes all these gifts, and then he talks about how the body functions together, and then he jumps right into chapter 13, and in chapter 14, they got a little out of hand in some of the use of the verbal gifts in the early church. Paul has to correct them and show them how the gifts are to function together. So, but he says that the overriding governor for every single gift of the Spirit is love. And so let me start with chapter 12, the very last verse. And now I will show you the more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Mm. You make a lot of noise. You can, you can be used in the speaking gifts, but if, you don't, if, if it's not motivated by love, you're just making a racket, right? If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, of, and if I have faith that I can move mountains, that's pretty impressive. But have not love, I am nothing. Mm. And if I give all I possess to the poor, this is this service gift or the giving gift. If I give my gifts to possess the poor and surrender my body to the flames and do not have love, I gain nothing. If you're not serving in love, you're just making a lot of noise and distraction, and what's really happening is you're killing yourself in the process. Because if you're not motivated by love, you're gonna burn out. You say, why am I even doing all this? But when you serve in genuine love, you become an encouragement and a help to others, and God renews your strength in the process. And I, I have this theory that if you really love, you will serve. You can't help it. Jesus Christ came because he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I want to close with a story. It's a story about a lady in in Acts chapter 9. Her name is Dorcas. And Dorcas was an amazing woman in the early church, and she is there. And and her gift was making clothes. In fact, we even have one of our groups is a knitting group, and they make blankets for ladies in nursing homes to give away to the poor and the homeless. And so that's that's one of their groups we have. And so Dorcas had that kind of ministry. And she she made all kinds of clothes and garments and and warm things, and she gave them away. She just, just was a giver because she loved people. She loved God. She loved God's people. She wanted to make a kingdom impact. And so she's, that's her ministry. She could sew. She could sew like you wouldn't believe. You wouldn't imagine the garments she would make. And, and what happens is she died. Right? And this funeral, this, this funeral, everybody comes out to the funeral. And the, the, this Bible describes they're carrying their garments that she made and they're crying and say, Dorcas was so amazing and she loved so much and she made and she gave this time and look what she made for me. And they're all sharing their stories about, look what Dorcas did for me. And they call Peter and Peter the apostle comes over there and he interrupts the funeral service. And what's he do? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, she is risen from the dead. Incredible story. And she's alive again and she goes right back to her serving. But I believe there's something there for us to take away from this. And that's what I call the law of mutual benefit. When you begin to serve others and give yourself away for other people, God gives life back to you. You found your purpose, you found your joy, you found your reason for being, you found what motivates you, what drives you, what excites you. You have discovered that purpose for yourself and life rises up inside of you. So not only are the people you minister to touched and loved, but when you do something good for somebody else, all of a sudden you are awakened on the inside to why God made you and it's exciting. God has gifted every single buddy in this place with a unique gift 
that can be used in the family of God to bless others. And when you bless others, God will always bless you back in return. Now, Dorcas is a New Testament story 2,000 years ago. But listen, God is doing that stuff today in the lives of people in all of our campuses, all of our churches. In the last two weeks, we've featured some incredible testimonies, and I've got one for you today uh, from a, a man by the name of Robert. He is in our Remount campus. He has an amazing story. Take a look. My mother, like many other mothers, was a single mother, which was common. We all had mothers, nobody had fathers. Women had boyfriends, but no husbands. And the men had girlfriends, but no wives. It just wasn't the norm for us. We didn't see the married life. You see the things on TV that you, you want to have in life, but the city of Baltimore really didn't offer that. We had streets, not grass. We had sidewalks, not yards. So. In your mind, you know what you want, but you just can't achieve it in your city, in your area. So as I approached my high school years as a teenager, I uh, really started heavily drinking and uh, going to school, and I would drink after school, drink throughout the nights, drink on weekends. And um, I embarked on a friendship with three guys that we was like brothers. Everybody accepted the fact that them are the four cats that drink a lot. They the young wild bunch. and. Um, New Year's Eve of 88, the wild bunch was once again drinking. My mom just so happened to be home, and she said, y'all too drunk to be driving. Take Mark keys from them, and the hottest keys, and I'll make sure that y'all get home after y'all sleep it off. Long story short, he found the keys, got in the car, and doing my intoxication and trying to stop him, it, it wasn't effective he left and later died about a mile or two from miles in front of another house where the lady used to allow us to drink and she was the one that went out and seen him take his last breath at the steering wheel caved in his chest so I go into the Navy with all this baggage but once again, my antidote was alcohol, so it never really uh, affected me on the surface, per se. But deep down inside, I knew why I drank so much. My vices remained the same for decades, and that was alcohol and women. And this is, I haven't been in a relationship that I haven't cheated on a woman. But in Tuscaloosa, a lot of things transpired and uh, drug-related shot at, shooting at, and uh, I was in jail for about a month and I decided that something said, you know, you need to get a job, this ain't for you. I go to this plant, be a forklift driver and maintenance or whatever. You gotta meet someone and they gotta take you around, show you where the time clock is, show you where your, where your break room is. And as I walk in, I'm sitting there and this lady walks around the corner and she said, are you Robert? I said, yes, I'm here to see Lorraine. She said, that's me. We start to date, we start to live together. We, and we lived together and cohabitated for almost a decade. And throughout that all, she had endured my drinking heavily, me smoking weed, um, 
me cheating on her, one of my unproudest moments in my life, me cheating on her, and she didn't leave me. And after that, we decided to get married and uh, try to make a change for the better. So shortly after that, we attend the uh, Operation Go, and this bald head dude keep messing with me. I'm sitting back smoking a cigarette on my car. My kids is playing. And uh, so finally, I guess something in me connected with him. And I go up to the stage and I ask, what is he playing and this and that. So then he gives me some insight into what Operation Go is about and where, it, where, it, where it's come from. Since then, we've been members of faith. After going through LifePoint, me and my wife stood in the room and make a conscious decision to give our life to the Lord. And then the baptisms, and uh, now I can say my whole family has been baptized at faith. After we started dancing and, and partying in Operation Go, we later became a part of the volunteer crew for Operation Go. We became part of the people that go to uh, Wednesday night men's and women's group. Then we start wanting more. My wife began to do the food bank. We do the uh, greeters and first impressions. Now first impressions, but we used to uh, greet as well. I'm 46, so I spent 40 some years creating my circumstance. That don't change overnight. But the things that you couldn't accept in your past that drove you to the drinking, that drove you to the anger, it will all be subdued and you will have peace and understand that what you can work out, he will. And after all I've done, to all the people I've done it to, I would have never imagined in a thousand years that God had a place for me. And if he got a place for me, then he got a place for anybody. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. What a story of God's grace. See how it goes full cycle? You had a burden to plant campuses. We planted campus down on Remount Road in the inner city of the North District. You gave to provide a go truck. That truck goes out twice a month throughout those neighborhoods, sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to boys and girls and anybody who else will walk up. Robert's kids go to hear a go truck and see some stuff going on. He's standing in the background. How can I know the Lord Jesus Christ? He gives his life to the Lord Jesus Christ, now alcohol-free, drug-free, transformed by the power of the gospel. Because you gave, because you cared. Now I want you to look. Now he's giving back. Christ saved him. So where can I get involved? He goes right back into the very ministry where he was saved through. He's involved in the local church, loving people, greeting people, just using what God has gifted him with. He's now has discovered his purpose, 40 plus years, wandering aimlessly. No purpose, no reason, no function. And now he knows why God made him. And God's blessing his family. And he makes that little tagline at the end. He said, if God can do that for me, he can do that for anybody. He can save you and use you and plug you into his kingdom. Hallelujah. 
Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org.